Okay, and hello, everybody. Welcome to Investing with IBD for November 20th, 2019. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and with me today is Anne-Marie Band, CEO of thetradingbook.com. Thanks for being here, Anne-Marie. My pleasure. On today's podcast, we will talk about the current market, the importance of not having a volatile mindset, and current stocks. So with the current market, we are currently in an uptrend. Uh, those signals that we got a month ago have continued to work. We have four distribution days on the S&P 500, two on the NASDAQ, and the indices continue to be around new highs. And I think the bigger thing is there are more stocks breaking out, more stocks acting like they are in a good environment. Uh, so the environment has continued to improve. Anne-Marie, what are your thoughts on this market? You know, that's a critical point that you actually brought up, that more stocks are participating. And we know that when a lot of stocks are participating, then things are going to be better in general. Um, Today is sort of an interesting day because as we move forward in the market, many of us are looking and thinking about, wow, when do I have a shot at getting involved when the market keeps making these higher highs week after week after week after week? Right. And on days like today, which give us ideal opportunities to do that in our favorite stocks and things like that, we sort of... Uh, tentative but nevertheless this is a very big uptrend and these first pullback events we do expect buyers to come in and hold the floor which they did today yeah and 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 we'll see if uh today where we're on the nasdaq it was down 0.56 percent we'll see if that's the beginning of maybe taking a week off or two have right. things settle down start to shake the trees a little <laughs> and then uh, maybe uh, resume. Have some people fall out from exactly. the Exactly. Unfortunately, a lot of times I'm the one falling out. So <laughs> I, I don't know if I li li like when they shake it too much. But yeah, but but you, we knew that this was coming, right? It, the the yes. market was acting a little too well. It was climbing that wall of worry. And I mean, that's the beauty of the markets and really the beauty of using charts, because if you're not using charts, you're going to miss out on this first leg because logic is never going to get you in at this time. And you're just going to watch this market crawl away, just slowly crawl away every day. And you're wait waiting for a pullback that it takes a lot of times like a month or so to, to come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so these first jolts, interestingly enough. So yesterday we had an all-time high. And today we sort of lost the edge of the support. And you know, a lot of times, if you look at the prior day's close and you come into the next day and you see the market trying to get up over that event, but it cannot, mm -hmm. it's usually a warning signal to say, you know, let me see if I can look at the last time I had a very nice steady support edge. And so this morning, that's really what I was looking for. Can it hold? Seeing a, a couple of things underneath that say, if I really participated in the last six weeks of upward motion, it would be time for me to take a little bit of profit because it's unusual to have six weeks of constantly upward moving candlesticks without even a mild pullback. Right. And a lot of times 
rather than getting stopped out of something, I will say, hey, listen, this is a nice upward target. I've made X percent. I'm not going to be greedy. I'm going to start tapering my position back so that I can trade around it and so that I can have dry powder to reinitiate. But that really takes a lot of discipline. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and, and, and you uh, highlighted a few key points about trading. It doesn't have to be all or none, right? You, you exactly. want that partial kind of selling into strength. Uh, then you can partial buy as, as it comes a weakness into a key support area. This way, you don't have to be right. You don't have to be exactly right. Exactly. You, you can kind of go with, with kind of the, the, the motion of, of, of the markets. And at least for me, it's, it's enabled me to stick around a little bit longer. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Anne-Marie, how did you get involved in investing? And, and really, you know, what, what were the steps that led you to where you are now, you know, a veteran of this market and really knowing how to analyze and read these markets? Well, I'll tell the story without the tears because <laughs> okay. I was a very bad trader okay. when I first started. Well, we all start um, out a bad trader, so I, I think that's really? that. That's uh, yeah. I, I we we uh, I did it. Ter I was terrible for 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 quite a while, but the the yes. key is you just gotta make those mistakes with a small amount of money, so that's you can. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So many years ago, I had been about fourteen years working in a recruiting company that I owned and I just was very tired of the grind. Yeah. I'm a little bit more introverted and so I was just looking for something maybe that I could do that um, allowed me to engage in the things that I enjoy which are human behaviors. I like watching human behavior and math and patterns and so I happened to see, I went with some of my sales folks to see uh, a success event with Zig Ziglar, yeah. and there was a trading um, presentation there, and, and it looked so simple, and I thought, wow, this technical stuff is easy. <laughs> I love it. That's a great sales presentation that they made it seem you easy. Know it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that guy could sell uh, ice cubes to an Eskimo, <laughs> but I I bought it and yeah. I was in. And you know, the great thing is when you come out of a very background, the one thing that you are constantly doing is solving problems. Mm -hmm. And you're always looking at things that are saying, all right, that's broken. How can I fix that? Or as a mathematician, you're always looking for solutions and trying to find patterns. And I fell in love with the market, even as it was teaching me some of the most difficult lessons. You know, yeah. the market, I like to say this, and it's not, I repeat, I'm repeating it from someone, but it's the market is the toughest teacher and it's the most cruel of teachers because it gives the test first and teaches the lessons later. I like that. And so, you know, that's really how we don't know that we're wrong until we are wrong. And we don't know how we're wrong until after we're wrong and we're able to go back sort of forensically and look at things and go, okay, what did I miss? You know, what was I not looking at? What was I focusing on that was noise and I thought it was signal? Yeah. 
And, and that's the hardest part, right? Looking back and learning, look and, and looking at all the the dumb mistakes you, you made, and 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 continue to make. I, the, the pulse yeah, analysis is always so hard, yes. but critical. Yeah, you know, I was just talking with um, a couple of folks, and we talked about the bias that comes after you've been doing it for a while, and you are really good and fairly consistent there is a bias that slips in there that i mean we can be wrong at any time and if we're not open to looking at those signals that say wait a second you're thinking this but information is telling you something contrary you've got to step back and observe that information as if it were brand new and not dismiss it out of hand. And it's very hard to do the better you get at something. Yeah. It's a it's a very interesting thing we've got ourselves working in from day to day here, this investing thing. For sure, because it's that ego, right? You, you have to well, manage that ego. Isn't it? Yep. And and yeah. and and so so you you got into training. What what were some of the first things you you looked at when when you you uh, started looking at trading? And then after that, what helped you kind of get out of your the the, the mistakes, the I big okay. mistakes you're making? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, you know, I started looking at some simple things like uh, the MACD. Okay. And um, I heard the term overbought and oversold, and I thought. Oh, when something reaches an oversold level, then I need to buy. Right. And when something reaches an overbought level, then I need to sell. But that's not really what those technical indicators say at all. Right. Everything's relative to trend. And so what I learned was how you can hear these broad isms in the market and they totally lead you in the wrong direction. So I started there with looking at those overbought and oversold, and then I realized, well, that doesn't work. And then I started thinking about, well, what makes a signal a signal? Mm -hmm. And through that sort of investigation space, I did realize that momentum and trend are really the two most important things to look at as they relate to each other and price. And so we can see momentum drift down savagely in an indicator and we can look up at the price bars and it's moved 50 cents, a dollar, maybe, Yeah. right? And so everything's relative to support and resistance and learning the nature of that relativity and how participants behave within a trend relative to everything around it, it really made me start loving the journey of digging through all the mysteries that make the market. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I mean, yeah, I, I think if there's one key word, it's relative, right? It, yeah. It, it, it's rel- you can use relative strength. It's the, the relative behavior. Uh, when you're in a good market, the if there's some bad news coming out, it's gonna just shake that off that bad news, uh, and, if, and if you're in a bad market, even the slightest good news could s- cause a huge sell-off, right? So it's just that behavior and how the stocks behave on a, on a relative basis in that environment is, is absolutely key. That's also very hard to teach the trader when yeah. a trader's looking at something and they want to do something technically, and they say, "Okay, this is this." 
they'll focus on signals as specific numbers. When this gets to X number, then this means this, or when it gets to Y number, this means this. And really what it means is pay attention to the things around you because something is likely to happen. And just like the great lines that we have up on our MarketSmith charts, they tell us, watch this level. This is going to be that breakout space. Here's that support space. We've got a relative strength looking at a particular number. What we have to do is simply pay attention when that number gets to something that we've deemed important for our own participation. Perfect. So the indices are at new highs and more stocks are continue hitting new highs. So the market is acting pretty well. But, uh, you know, be beware of that pullback and, and all, of course, make sure you're managing your risk. So let's take a quick break. But when we return, we are going to talk about the importance of not having a volatile mindset. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. Arusha here. This December, IBD is hosting the last ever Canceling Masters program, and you don't want to miss it. The master's program is an intensive two-day investing workshop that can change the way you trade forever. You'll learn strategies for increasing your profits from top portfolio managers like David Ryan, Scott O'Neill, and yours truly. This event has a very limited amount of tickets available, so don't wait to buy yours. Go to Investors.com masters for more information and to save your seat. Anne-Marie Band is our guest on Investing with IBD. Okay, Anne-Marie, let's go over the importance of not having a volatile mindset. And, and as we both know, when you start putting real money on the line in the markets, your mindset can get pretty volatile. Absolutely. And, you know, it's this thing about the incredible fear of loss that we begin to experience when we have our money at stake, right? Mm, you know, right. it's it's just kind of a big deal. And so one of the most difficult things to do is to keep ourselves evenly balanced. Now, that gets very difficult if we don't plan for something that could happen. And so in the end, the most important thing to me is to say, wait a second, have I considered what could happen today and what is what I consider unlikely, but that it could still happen. Mm -hmm. See, what we tend to do is we think, oh, you know what, this is what's going to happen today, and then that's going to be it. And what ends up happening is something totally different in the market. So, for instance, today, we could have looked at the charts and said, all right, my pullbacks are going to be buy zones and they're really pretty shallow lately. So I'm going to look for, you know, my near per, my near term support and and I'm going to make a particular trade there. Or I'm going to put my stop there or whatever it is. Then when the market really starts fading, we have no idea what to do. Right. And so what that causes is a volatile mindset because we start thinking about loss and that fear and when we have fear it short circuits the prefrontal cortex completely and so 
because all that cortisol starts running through our body, we get the short circuit of the prefrontal cortex and it fight or flight yeah, so is the, all we're in the, mentally. So for for the prefrontal cortex, that's where all the, the thinking, the logic, yes. that's, that's where that's all happening, right? Complex decisioning, things that require a sequence of steps before you get to a decision is all managed by the prefrontal cortex. And so when we immediately see something and it's all of a sudden not what we expect, it shuts down all prefrontal cortex motion and we begin to think about, well, okay, what do I do if I lose? What is, what's going to happen here? And we cannot move into a sequential, logical thought process. Mm-hmm. So the way to hijack that uh, volatile mindset is beforehand imagining, okay, what's going to happen if this bad thing happens right now? Right. And most of us don't because, you know, the mind, we have to be generally optimistic or else how do we get out of bed? That's true. Right. I mean, humans are naturally optimistic creatures. And so we have to be to live day to day. And so we are always thinking, oh, that's never going to happen. But you've got to think about it. You've got to go, wait, what if that breaks down, but you're still right? What if that breaks down? How are you going to know whether you're wrong or not? Mm And so you almost have to build a triage event before you have need for it. And the only place we actually see that is in the military, right? It's that military mindset of building a protocol that you revert to your training when things get volatile and unpredictable. And we do not do that as human beings in general. And so it takes a forced practice mindset and And and, when you're the only person holding yourself accountable for that that gets pretty tough for sure and and so the the way to triage or really kind of do the scenario analysis uh usually the the best time to do it when the markets are closed maybe the nighttime think about all the things that could happen and where am i wrong what's my exit strategy things like that Absolutely. What you would think about is the following. If you're not in a trade, you would think to yourself, okay, if I get involved tomorrow at this support level, Mm -hmm. what is potentially the issue that I have to consider? Well, what's my risk? Where's my main stop? That's my stop. Well, see, if we had any idea that our trade was going to get stopped out, and we would have a loss before we entered into the trade, we simply would not take the trade. Right. Right? Right, yes. Yeah, I'm going to take a trade so I can lose money. Thank you very much. No, we (laughs) wouldn't do that. Right. We would go, no. So we're thinking it's going to work. So the question is, if this is the risk event, is there a chance that there is another party active in the market that's going to try and push you into that support zone? And if it happens... Is that a potential likelihood that your idea about upside pressure is now gone and that's a wrong premise? Or 
could it rebound from that area? And so that's really what you have to build the whole sequence through. And, you know, that's why I spend so much time in front of my desk with my charts, because I'm always thinking, okay, if the wheels come off the bus here, does it mean I'm wrong the moment it happens? Or is there a chance that I can recover that event and then re-enter? How many times have we gotten into a trade, had the stop too tight, got stopped out, and then the chart went and did what it was supposed to? Oh, all the but time. We were, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And we're sitting on the sideline because we just got punched in the face yep. and we're thinking to ourselves, nah, you know, this is going to roll. This is going to roll over. And so I'm just going to wait. But if you had that triage set where you realized, hey, I've built this on daily, weekly, monthly levels and one 30 minute move downward that knocks me out of my trade doesn't mean my trade is broken. It just means somebody came and got that support edge. And so I'm going to wait for it to resolve again. And I'm going to look at my exact same entry point and I'm going to look at everything else that's changed around. And if it holds, I'm going to try it again, right? Because if we build our cycles about where we're investing on large time frames, mm -hmm. these 30-minute wicks that knock us out, they're irrelevant. Right. They really are. They're irrelevant. They're algorithmic and irrelevant. And so we'll see if we stand back from that, wait a second, just the luck of the draw took me right there. You know, the next thing I'm going to do is wait for a better setup and see it pop out and then come back into my support zone again. And I'm going to try it one more time. Yeah. And and that concept right there really took me years to to get down. And still something I'm I'm working on, the, the fact that you get shaken out you, you, at, at a key support area, right? And a lot of people are looking at those support areas, which is why they're, you're going to have shakeouts there. That's but right. learning to catch yourself and and it's almost i almost had to condition myself to now if it starts to come back up back above that area where the, the shakeout was or the support area now my second thinking because the reason why you sell out at that point is you think it's going to go lower now if the stock exactly. rebounds and now it gives you different information you have to kind of wrap your mind around and say you know what i'm getting different information now my, it's not going lower. I have to adjust to that. It, or this could be a shakeout if, if you're at a key support support area. That's exactly right. And it does take a lot of time and energy. And most folks that really are active in the market right now, they're sort of addicted to these very tight time frames. And yeah. honest to goodness, listen, I'm an intraday trader. I am. I'm an intraday trader. But none of my entry points are visible on any place other than daily, weekly, and monthly levels. I simply refuse to get involved in these tiny cycles because that's really where randomness uh, can rear its ugly head. Right. Yeah, and, and the longer the time frame, the less signals you're going to get, but the more significant they are too, right? That's exactly right. 
And that's what you want. You don't want to trade for the sake of trading. Right. You want to trade to make money and you want to get in and you want to get out when the levels are best. But sometimes we feel because we're in front of our screens, we have to be in a trade or we have to be getting ready to be in a trade. And, and it, it's funny. A lot, a lot of times what, what I tell people is you're never going to find a great, great stock without a chart, but you're never going to hold on to a great stock with a chart because – it's our tendency oh, that's so good. to, to yes. you know, we're going to find a reason to get out of that stock yes. if, if you're watching it too closely. Yes, that's very true. So the more that you can act like a robot and be unemotional in the markets and investing, the greater for odds for success in the markets. Coming up next, Anne-Marie and I are going to talk about three stock ideas. We'll be back. Hey, Arusha here with a big announcement. We have launched a brand new interactive video broadcast called IBD Live. IBD Live takes you behind the curtain to see how professionals trade. Log on and watch live as IBD's analysts and portfolio managers follow the first hour of market action and pick winning stocks. You get to listen to our conversations, see our screens, and ask us questions all in real time. If you've ever wanted to trade alongside a team of experts, this is your chance. Go to investors.com slash IBD live and sign up to get your first two weeks for free. We are back with Anne-Marie Band. And so Anne-Marie, let's uh, go back to what we were just talking about. And and I, I, I spoke about, you know, kind of the ideals of how you want to act as a robot in the market. Obviously, it, it's easier said than done. But uh, let's talk about that concept uh, there uh, and, and how, how you manage those emotions. You know, again, the way we manage our emotions is by understanding that if we are unprepared for events, the first thing that's going to come up is the emotional feeling of self-preservation. Yes. And those are going to be very erratic responses and so what we end up having to do in order to prevent those erratic responses is to be very controlled in our approach you know it's like you and I really do agree that investing should be very boring Absolutely. and it should be very boring because it is process paced we do one two three and four and if Somewhere along the line, the process breaks. If it breaks at number three, we go back to number one. If it breaks to number two, we go back to number one. If we happen to get to number four and it works out great, then, you know, that's wonderful. But we really have to have a consistent roadmap where we're not winging it through the trades and then that that is really going to help us get better at what we do right and and that's where kind of that robotic you're just kind of yeah very robotic you know very yes, boring do this do this yes. do this do this yes yeah so you you should not be looking for excitement in the in the market so more right, boring absolutely. your process should be terribly boring <laughs> yes exactly okay so let's get into some current stocks uh that are on your radar Anne marie and the first stock is caterpillar uh, ticker symbol CAT, and uh, what 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 do you see in this? What what do you see in this stock right now? As we take a look at CAT, 
What we really see, it had a beautiful breakout right after earnings. I believe J.P. Morgan had said something dreadful about them, and they drifted down and then turned around and rocketed right back up. And really, this is our MarketSmith chart, and we can see that the profit bars are inside of that blue shaded range. That's where MarketSmith says, hey, listen, you want to take your profit into these spaces, and it is rotating down into the baseline of support. So it's and around so, 140, right? So it's, it's, yes. it's running support around 140, yep. Yes, and so my thought is, if you're looking at CAT, you have two things to think about. One, does the market have a little bit more of a retrace on it? And if it does, you can get back into this earlier space where it faded just a bit in that downward motion under 138 or something like that. That's sort of the sweet spot, the I wish spot. I always like to have two zones, a zone that I would like to engage in and a stop set below that. And then very close to the stop, I have the I wish space, which would be, hey, if this were ideal, I would love for it to come in and really cut my risk by two-thirds or a half. And so I could pull in and maybe I get 136 instead of my 138 area and it could move forward. Now, a way to do that, I like to employ the concept of the option and you can use either a deep in the money option that is giving you a debit spread. Let's say you looked at the 130 to 135 and if that debit spread was less than the $5, then the difference, provided it expires higher than 135 would be what you would make. And sometimes you can make very nice gains. You can make a 10% gain in a month, taking a look at something like that. Sometimes it might be even more. But those deeper in the money options will give you a very nice, quiet return if you want to use that, provided that something solid like this holds. So I do like this. We do have the global slowdown event, which is why I would say right now, listen, it's come in. Let's give it another shot. Make the market beg you to trade. Make it come in and say, wow, what a value. Yeah. That is a great point. I would love to engage. And so that is where I'd be looking at for cat right now, simply because I think it'll be a, a great opportunity to get something that's solid, that's really going to get through this global slowdown event and allow us to participate in a very good stock. And, and so I, I like that kind of two-tiered approach right there, where the the, the wish space. You're, that that's also other people describe it as trading near the the danger point, right? Where oh, yes. you're getting re- you're gonna you're gonna know very quickly if you're wrong if it starts to go below you're there. You're gonna know. That's right. Right. Yes. Uh, and, and so yeah, that that's an interesting uh, concept where you have two en- entry points right there. And so the kind of the danger point for Caterpillar was. It looks like it was on 1031 where the low was 136.39, that that bar that kind of shook people out before it kind of rocketed up again. Yes. I I have a a trader friend who says, if you wait until you get down there to engage, you're either right or right out. Yeah. 
I like that and a lot. So it's perfect. I, I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, let's go to the second stock, and this is Boeing, and, and you want to talk about the danger point or, or dangerous. <laughs> exactly. Boeing has definitely been a dangerous stock uh, for, for the last year or so now. Um, yeah. But, you know, what, what's kind of, I think the amazing thing with Boeing, especially with all the bad news that it's had with, it, uh, with its uh, jet planes and all the trouble they've had, I would have thought this stock would have been down a lot more than, than it is. Absolutely. It has been an unbelievably resi resilient yeah. stock. And, you know, that's probably testimony to how many big money managers have that in a portfolio. That's a good point. That is probably one of the bigger things to look at. For me, if we take a look at the way this chart looks right now, it clearly is range bound. Yes. Now we have something in January where they think they're going to get the max back into the air. And so that could be a big boost, but I think it's fairly baked in. So what we're looking for is basically a washout. And I think that washout area appears to be from the charts at around 335, 340. Okay. I mean, we had this dip down at 324, and then we had the 319 area. Yeah. But we have those two edges, and we could say, hey, you know, if you really are thinking about, all right, can I get some kind of yield in here again? You can go to the deep in the monies, and you can say, all right, if I were looking for something right now, and I looked at the 320, 325 call spread, long call spread, debit, it'll be deep in the money. So who knows if it'll be $5 or $485 or $440. I don't know what that price would be. But the difference would be, hey, if it expires in the money and you're really close to the edge, you'll be able to, you know, make whatever that difference is. Sometimes it's 10%, sometimes it's 8%, and it's you know, 30 days. Yeah. If, however, you're thinking to yourself, wait, I just want to acquire this, you might want to, if you say to yourself, hey, I'd like to have some of this, then you might sell a put way down there at the bottom. Oh. If it doesn't go in and deep, you've got yourself uh, some good return because it was like selling something that you got the full money for. If you get in it's very likely it's not going to lose this level. One, because money managers have simply said, hey, we're holding the floor at 320 and we're waiting for things to get back. Of course, the outside risk is that, you know, something dreadful happens and, right, you right. know, selling a put means you have to take it at that 320. Right. So let's go over the concept uh, for, for those who are a little bit newer of, of deep in the money calls okay. uh, right, right there where uh, you know, a, a lot of times with the deep in the money calls, is that it's they, they end up trading kind of like a stock one for one. Absolutely. Uh, but to you can you don't have to put as much uh, down, much money down uh, exactly. if, 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 when you're buying the stock. Exactly. So a deep in the money debit spread for a call spread really says, listen, let's say, um, what is the price today? What did we close at today? What does that look like? I can't quite see. Oh, it on we, we the closed chart. at we closed at three seventy nine ninety one for uh, okay. Boeing. Okay, so wow, that's pretty good. Um, 
So that's really holding that edge really well. And so what you have to think about is an at-the-money spread has a delta of about 50. And what that delta actually means is if this chart holds a probability event, what it really tells us is, you know, there's a 50% chance that this option either expires in the money or out of the money. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a probability like a coin toss, which I'm not super fond of. <laughs> I would prefer something that would have a much bigger probability of expiring in the money. And that's going to be a deep in the money call. Now, if you look at a deep in the money call, it's going to have a premium attached to it. And it's going to have a time decay element attached to it. But because the chart is holding so well and it's in the range, you're in fairly good, you're in fairly good shape if the chart dips down because it's proven over time that it's going to hold that level. And so I like that when you're not looking for, you know, a lot of times people play options and they go, wow, I've got a hundred percent return and that's wonderful. But at the end of the day, slow and steady wins the race. I know that's my storyboard, but it really is the way I've stayed in in business and trading for as long as I have. And these deep in the money call spreads allow you to participate with much less at risk. So you might end up with a five spread, right? Let's say you buy the 320, 325. That's a $5 difference between those two. If you end up paying $4.50, mm-hmm. you'll have 50 cents between the five and how much you actually paid. And that ends up being, you know, over 10%. And so that, it's a very nice way to trade. It really, really is, especially if you take a look at your chart and you see where big money has come in and defended. Those are great areas to buy those deep in the money calls. Very nice. Thank you. Let's go to the third stock, uh, and this is Insight Corporation, ticker symbol I-N-C-Y. And uh, yeah, what, 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 what do you like about this stock? So Insight belongs in uh, it's in a couple of different ETFs. It's been it's in the IBB, it's in the IGV, and these are the biotechs. And interestingly, today also MarketSmith said, "Hey, listen, we are approaching a breakout zone, and it looks very nice." Now, for me as a trader, I've been looking at this market really ramp up week after week after week. Mm -hmm. And I've been very cautiously long, nervously long where I'm long. And I expect the market to pull back. I don't normally like to engage with just a flat out long at the edge of a breakout space. Okay. Because there are two people competing, two groups of people competing. There's the one person that sold at 90, 
the last time or 8930. And then there's the group of people that are saying, hey, listen, this has really got some beautiful traction on it. And I noticed that this form is really, I mean, it's got convex structure. So it is moving with a very steep momentum event. You can look at the RSI also. It's really high. But this is an environment. The biotechs, um, healthcare, and the tech stocks, as well as the financials, have really been running over right. the last six weeks. Right. And Insight is one of those really very good companies. It's a good company. So what I would consider is saying, all right, what might I want to do here? Well, I would like to participate in some upside, but then also have some downside protection. Again, you could look at the deep in the money put, excuse me, call. You could also use a deep in the money put, but they're usually are not as liquid and they won't, they'll charge you more. And so that is something that you can look at. But I would like to have a fade that came maybe into 87 as the market tips over, tries to hold, Mm -hmm. and then we'll be moving up again. And that pink box really does give us a very nice support zone that we could look at moving forward. Great stock, though. It's got a lot of promise from a fundamental perspective as well. Excellent. So there are three ideas to consider. Thanks, Anne-Marie, for joining us today. My pleasure. That's it for this week on Investing with IBD. Next week, we will have Patrick Healy on the show. He is a 20-year veteran of the financial services industry and the founder of Caliber Financial Partners. I'm Arusha Paris, and thanks for listening. And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to Investors.com podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.